Yes, yes. Omega Watts in the house. Now let me set the table. Now, now, now let me set the table. Invited to the banquet. I'm glad that you could make it. Invited to the banquet. I'm glad that you could make it. Any questions I ask me. All right, table fam, how are we feeling tonight? Okay, okay. A few different reactions in the room. Hey, um, if you can, um, just imagine with me. Imagine with me uh, 20 to 30 years from now. So many of us are in our 20s. Um, you know, some of us are in our early 30s. Um, but I want you to imagine 20 or 30 years from now. And here, here's what I want you to see, if you can. I want you to see you um, in a really just amazingly healthy marriage. Um, some of us are like, yes, please, I see it. Um, you know, with, with amazing children, right? Uh, or perhaps an amazing marriage and no children. Or marriage isn't for everybody, and that's, no, that's okay. Just a really healthy, amazing single life where you have these really amazing friends and this network of friends, and you have more time, and you're able to use that time in a way that's going to be really um, fulfilling for you. Um, perhaps if you are on the, the married path, you know, 20 years from now, um, you just have this incredible marriage um, with your spouse, and you just encourage one another and support one another. And if, you're, um, if you end up having children, um, then you're able to just develop your children, not in a way that makes them, like, needy, but in a way that helps them develop to become adults. I want that for you more than anything in the world. Um, as I share this, um, my suspicion is for some of us, that was hard to see. One, because today is June 1st, and you're like, I can't even pay rent, bro. I'm trying to talk about marriage 20 years from now. But also, that may be difficult to see, because for a lot of us, that's not how we grew up at all. Right? You're like, whoa, that, that, that idea of that family, Isaac, man, that was not my experience at all. Right? And it's difficult to, to think that far in advance, and it's difficult to picture, because we have no model for what that could look like. So I, um, which is interesting for me, so I grew up in, um, some of you know, I grew up in Texas. I mentioned it almost every message, if not every other message, how much I love Texas. Um, so I was, I was living in Texas and, um, this, about four years ago, and the staff, um, the, staff te- the young adult staff team at the time, before I was a part of it, uh, came to visit me, or t- came to Texas, and I got to interact with the staff for the first time. And we're eating at this restaurant called Cafe Brazil. And Cafe Brazil is like this hybrid, like Tex-Mex Brazilian place. It was amazing. The best of both worlds, right? It was amazing. So um, we're at Cafe Brazil, and the staff were just going around, and it seemed like um, I was, so I, I would grow up in what I would consider, I'm just going to use this term very loosely, um, I grew up in a quote-unquote good family, just broadly just a good family. And as we went around the table, there was, may have been just like one or two other staff members that also said, yeah, I also grew up in a quote-unquote good family, right? But most of the experience of the people on staff at the time were, yeah, I, my family was not great, like, at all. And I'm like, oh, that's really interesting, because in Texas, that was, you know, that's just kind of what, regardless or not, this is what you said, right? So I come here to Orlando, and um, I see that um, um, the not great family situation is actually pretty normative around here, right? So as I've met with many of you, you're like, either you you grew up here in Orlando, or you moved here for a reason, um, and um, you just you just see, you would also identify with, yeah, my family was not great. 
Um, and this is really has um, some to do with the message, but I just, as your pastor, I love you guys, and I just want to get this in the forefront of, like, there's a better option for you. There's a better way. The family script, if you grew up in a not great family, the family script that was handed down to you doesn't have to be this way. It can change, and you can be the change in that, right? So now, think back to 20, 30 years from now. Um, man, Orlando, it's, I see this. I see Orlando as not being known for broken families, I see Orlando for being known as these vibrant, amazing, just healthy people, just passionately following Jesus, to where Orlando becomes this city of light and healing and restoration. And whenever people come to visit, whether for whatever reason come to visit Orlando, they just see that and they can sense that. And we can be involved in their life 20 to 30 years from now. But the reality is it's not today. But I would love to journey with you to take steps toward that. Do you guys want to journey together? That, more than anything in the world, I want that for you. I want that from the city of Orlando. So I've been thinking about this recently, and I've been talking about this with, the reason I'm mentioning this now, um, is I've been talking about this with some of the staff team and, and some of the one-on-ones that I've had. Um, and I was like, man, I just want to talk about this. I just want to get this in front of people. Is there just a way that I could just talk about this more? And then I was like, Isaac, you literally talk to a group of people every Tuesday. I was like, oh, yeah. I should just talk, start talking about it at the table on Tuesdays. Uh, so here's me um, uh, just talking about it here at the table on Tuesdays. Days is that there's, I just see this world in Orlando, and I would love for all of us to start journeying together for that together as family. Okay, I'm going to pray, and then we'll, we'll actually jump into uh, what we're going to talk about today. But Father, man, I just praying for my friends here. God, I'm praying that we can just journey together to be more like you. God, so we can be whole, and we can be redeemed, and we can be healed from the brokenness that we've experienced. Uh, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. So as you're uh, looking at me, um, I, something you probably don't know about me, um, is that I played basketball in high school. Okay? So um, as, I, as I say that, um, you know, maybe immediately you think, oh, I didn't really know that. That's cool that Isaac played basketball in high school. You know, you know, maybe subconsciously then you start thinking, okay, varsity, like all four years, did he do that? I don't know. But here's, um, here's the actual story. <laughs> the story is I loved basketball as a kid. Like my first sports memory was in 1995 of the Houston Rockets winning the world championship in the NBA, right? Um, if you're um, a basketball historian, you know that. For most of you, you're like, who are the Rockets and NBA and what's going on? But for me as a kid, that memory of, that, of basketball was just so incredible for me. So um, I just loved, so as a kid, I just grew up playing basketball, and I was actually pretty good. I remember in fifth grade, um, I matured I'm a little earlier, a little more than my other um, white boyfriends, I'll just say that, <laughs> as being Hispanic. And so in fifth grade, like, I was basically put the team on my back. So what I would do is I would just, like, grab the rebound. I was faster than everybody else, so I would just dribble the whole court and just go put a layup. And literally, we, just would, we won every game uh, my fifth grade season. Um, and then I thought, man, this basketball thing, I'm actually pretty good. And I loved playing in my driveway. Um, I loved just shooting around, like, with my friends when they would come over, or my dad or my sister. Like, I was pretty good. I get to junior high, and... Um, I'm not quite as good as I was when I was in fifth grade, comparatively, but I was still pretty good. Um, but keep in mind that I also grew up, like, in this, like, hick rural town where people, like, drove big trucks, right? And I don't know if big trucks are synonymous with being good at basketball. Either way. Um, so I get to high school, um, and in high school, um, I... I'm like have this dream where I'm just going to make varsity at least for my sophomore year, if not my freshman year. And I get freshman year, and I make the freshman B team, which is like the lowest team you could possibly make at the school. 
And I'm like, okay, okay, no worries. We can work through this. Let's just, you know, try a little harder, be a little better. Um, so my sophomore year, um, I make the JV B team. Not even like the JV team, like the JV B team. And at this point, um, I'm, it's we're in December, so it's about halfway through the season, and I was in a game where I got benched. So I'm sitting down on the bench, not playing in a JV B team game. Okay, my NBA uh, dreams <laughs> just vanished before my eyes, right? And then here's what I ended up doing. I ended up quitting halfway through my sophomore year because just thinking through, like, man, I have other things going on. I love basketball, but it doesn't seem like the, the basketball path is heading down where I thought it was going to go. Okay, but what do I tell people? Hey, Isaac, did you play sports in high school? I was like, yeah, I played basketball. Now, if you were to press me a little more, I would say, yeah, I played a couple years. Half truth, half truth. What's the full truth? The full truth is I quit halfway through my second year, right? So, but you get to college, and whenever I got to college in, in Texas, um, you know, I didn't want to tell people. That's embarrassing, right? That's embarrassing to tell people that I quit like halfway through a season, right? Especially for, for other athletes, like you just know you don't quit, you don't do that. So I just felt shame in just telling people, so I just didn't tell people. But the, um, so that was the story that I was telling others, but there was a story that I was telling myself. And the story that I was telling myself when it came to basketball was, I could be better if I wanted to, right? I just didn't have a lot of time. You know, I know I quitted, but man, I really, I could have doubled down. I could have made it. I could have made varsity. I could have tried making college. If I really wanted to, I could have been better, right? And the reason I told myself that was because I couldn't fathom the thought of not being good at something when I tried. There was a story that I was telling myself, which is like, which was, um, um, Isaac, you have to be good at things. Because if you're not good at things, you're a failure. And if you're a failure, nobody likes you. So it's not, not even enough just to be good at something. Isaac, you need to be the best at something if you want to feel valued. Right? Now, as I say that, I probably hit maybe a third of the room, maybe a little less, like resonates with that. Right? For others, it's like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need to be the best at anything. But I'm just saying this, this was my, my descriptive story. This was a story that I um, was telling myself, right? Where um, I wanted to go to the NBA, but the reality was I was 5'10", was average athletically, not that great at basketball, and there was no way I was ever going. My own mother even told me, Isaac, you should have tried tennis. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. <laughs> Thanks, love you. Right? I just, and I just hated the feeling of not being good at something. And, and as I've looked at my life, as I think through not being good at things, the story um, that I tell myself and I start justifying why I'm not good at things, because the reality is it brings up these feelings of being stuck, these feelings of being broken, and these feelings of having no value. Right? Now, that's my story. I think all of us have stories that we tell ourselves. We all have stories we tell ourselves. For some, maybe it is like this desire to achieve and to be the best. Um, um, but these stories that we tell ourselves, maybe it be I need to be strong all the time. Maybe it's I need to be unique. Maybe it's I just need to be really responsible for things. But we all have stories that we tell ourselves. And these stories that are tell ourselves are both can be helpful and unhelpful. Some of the stories we tell ourselves are really helpful for us. And some of the stories we tell ourselves are holding us back. Right, and really harming us. But we all have stories 
that we're telling ourselves, right? And really practically, um, here's what this looks like. Um, imagine that you're on Amazon, all right? And then he here comes this, like, suggestion of something that you may need to purchase, right? Here's the key word, may need to. But what do a lot of us do? We put it in the cart. You're like, I'm not going to buy it. Let me just put it in the cart, right? And then we're like, well, it's already in the cart. Might as well click that buy button, right? And then after we purchased it, then we'll tell ourselves a story. Well, actually, I'm glad that I bought this thing today um, because I actually needed it. And actually, I'm going to actually get a lot of use out of this thing. And you know what? It's Amazon. It's really easy to return things. We buy things with the intent of returning them. Right? They're stories that we tell ourselves. Right? And we see this as well in relationships. Right? To where we don't end up in a relationship and we're just like, you know what? They just couldn't handle me. I'm a lot to handle. They just couldn't handle me. It's their fault, not my fault. Right? Uh, this one, this one um, it kind of makes sense, but I, I'm guilty of this one. Um, I've had a hard day. I'm going to eat fast food. I'm tired. Let me eat fast food. Right? <laughs> I see. My hand's up too, buddy. Yeah. I, I remember uh, we don't have, man, I would be, um, well, no. Um, there's a, in Texas, my favorite restaurant, Whataburger. So I just remember, there, I, can't, I can't find an equivalent here in Orlando of just like my, my Whataburger equivalent of like, man, I've had a really hard day. I just deserve some Whataburger. Like, what does having a hard day have to do with, you know, eating, eating food? Like, I don't, I mean, but it kind of makes sense, right? But these are the stories that we tell ourselves, right? So we can look microly, you know, very specifically, what's the story that we're telling ourselves with this specific thing that we're going to do? But we can also look macroly, broadly, generally at the story of our life, what's the story that we're telling ourselves? So that's the tension, um, that's the question um, that, we're, that we're answering today, is what's the story you're telling yourself? Right? So we're going to be in John chapter 8. John chapter 8, where um, Jesus is actually having a conversation with some people, um, specifically with some Jews. And in this conversation with Jews, um, Jesus is going to frame how we think through narratives, how we think through stories, right? How we think through the story that we tell ourselves. So we'll read in John chapter 8. It says this. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, right? I'm going to pause there. So, so let, me, let me give some context. Um, there was a story, so Jesus, says, so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, right? So there was a story that the Jews, um, that these Jews were telling themselves, right? Jesus is having a conversation with these Jews, right? Um, don't be confused by the, the phrase who had believed, because as we're, you'll see later on in the passage that they had believed. They don't currently believe, Right? So in, in this conversation, um, this is like, if, this is like um, the Bible equivalent of reality television, right? If you like tea, this story has tea. Because here's what happens in the story of Jesus' conversation um, with these Jews, right? They, um, th um, they like, call Jesus' mother sexually promiscuous. Facts. And you're like, you can't say that to Jesus? Like, you know who you're talking, you, you can't, one, you shouldn't do that to anybody, but Jesus, they did it to Jesus. They call his mother sexually promiscuous, right? Um, they also, so Jesus responds, right? Um, he's not shying away from the conversation. <laughs> Jesus leans in and he calls them children of the devil. He's like, they're like, yeah, your mom's a 
bleep, bleep, bleep. But Jesus goes, yeah, but the, your father is Satan. <laughs> whoa. And I'm like reading this. I'm like, oh, whoa. Like what is going on in this, this conversation, right? So um, the conversation ends um, as a lot of, some conversations do. Hopefully your reality te- television does not end this way um, if you watch reality television. Um, that they, they ends with them literally trying to murder Jesus by throwing stones at him. Whoa, so this is just like, um, E, bravo, this is, this is the passage, right? Um, now, we, um, you can read it on your own time. We're just going to focus on the very beginning. I, I probably, Isaac, can you just talk about that? Um, uh, uh, no. <laughs> you can read it on your own. But I want to focus what causes so much tension. Why did the conversation escalate to the level that it did? And here's why the conversation escalated that way. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, he said, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The reason this bothered the Jews so much is because they thought they were free. Right? See, they they thought they were free because of ethnic reasons. And later on in the conversation, they thought they were free because of religious reasons, because they had a a lot of knowledge. And Jesus corrects their narrative to tell them that they're not actually free. And Jesus tells them what freedom actually is. Right? So he says, if you abide in my word and you are truly my disciples, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. All right, so what do we mean when we talk about freedom? Here's what, here's what I mean when I'm saying freedom. Freedom is the desire and actions that will leave you fully satisfied and without regret now and forever. That's true freedom. True freedom is desire and actions that will leave you fully satisfied without regret now and forever, right? We, some of us may think freedom is getting to do whatever we want, right? And you can. That's, that's a level of freedom. But sometimes us doing whatever we want doesn't leave us fully satisfied and without regret. True freedom is a way that our desires and our actions can leave us fully satisfied and without regret, both now and forever. So now he sets that up, so the truth will set you free, but he, to set that up, he says you will know the truth. And here's what, here's what he means when he says you will know the truth. So know, the word know, is merely to have an awareness. To, to know something is to have an awareness of something. And truth, I think the best definition for truth, is defining reality. Saying reality as it is. So whenever we're talking about knowing the truth, we're saying having an awareness of reality, being aware of what's actually going on, right? So here's, uh, here's the big idea that we're just going to ha- present the big idea right now, and then we'll come and talk about what it means. The big idea is freedom is a result of an awareness of reality. Freedom, true freedom, is a result of an awareness of reality. Now, um, many of us, um, don't live in an awareness of reality, right? Uh, we live in unaware reality, which is not reality. It's, uh, it's unaware, right? So we live, so you can hear, see here to my left, um, we're going to call this unaware island, right? All of us, um, none of us want to admit that we've ever been on unaware island, but we all know our friend who, like, makes us stay at unaware island, Right? And as we're camping out in Unaware Island, um, at first it seems amazing. Have you seen the beach in Unaware Island? It's incredible. 
the trees in Underwear Island, like I've never seen these palm trees so beautiful with coconuts. Have you had? It's the most delicious coconut on Underwear Island, right? I watch a lot of Survivor, so I know well island life well. It's kind of a sun aside. Okay, so I'm just going off of uh, what they show in Fiji, right? But on, on a, in Underwear Island, like it just seems beautiful. It's cozy. It's comfortable. Underwear Island is really easy. But unaware island is unaware. Because we're not facing reality when we're in unaware island. We're actually avoiding reality when we're in unaware island. Right? We're, we're not pressing into things that are hard and difficult and challenging. We're just constructing our lives in a way that we can just live a really easy, cozy life here on unaware island. Right? So let me talk to you, I'm, I'm going to give you uh, the brochure, a tourism brochure, if you will, of what life is like on Underwear Island to see if it's a place that you want to continue living or, or visit if you have not been before. It's incredible. Here's what happens um, on Underwear Island. Um, fundamentally, what happens in Underwear Island is, um, as we talk about stories, here, here's kind of the main, the, the chief um, story going on on Underwear Island is this idea of false narratives. False narratives run rampant in Unaware Island, right? Uh, it's almost like the uh, it's like the, the air that breathes, right? If you were to like, it's the power source. It's what's powering Unaware Island is this idea of false narratives, right? And these false narratives is what makes Unaware Island so comfortable and so cozy and so nice because you don't have to deal with things because um, um, there are narratives that we construct to make us feel better about ourselves. When we're in Underwear Island, we, we don't want to think through, like, we would never do anything wrong. So there's a narrative that's constructed on Underwear Island that where we're the hero, where we're the good person, right? Where we don't have to face hard truths, right? So, um, so four things that happen on Underwear Island is here's what we do. Um, we act on assumptions instead of evidence. Act on assumptions instead of evidence. I saw this, um, it got tweeted recently um, where this is how you make a mountain out of a molehill, right? So here at the very bottom, you see our facts. Outside of those facts are assumptions. That's where the false narrative comes into play, as we just start assuming things that aren't actually facts. And then from that comes judgment. We start judging a person, a thing, and an event, an organization, based on assumptions that aren't actually even facts, Right? And we just create this narrative where they are bad and I am good, right? And it causes a lot of division, right? Um, so I, um, recently I was listening to, and just uh, hear, hear me say this, I need to be careful of the room that I'm talking to, but also don't care because I'm just going to speak truth as I see it. Um, Olivia Rodrigo. <laughs> Some people are like, what is he about to say? Can he? Uh, no. Okay, here's what, here's what Olivia Rodrigo, Olivia Rodrigo um, does so well. I think. Um, she names, if you're familiar with her, she's an artist that uh, um, seems to be up and coming. Um, <laughs> uh, the most unassuming comment of the day, bro, she's the next Taylor Swift, man. You can't say up and coming. So I think what she does so well, um, what she does so well is she, um, she names um, what she's feeling really well. And she does it in a way with amazing production and amazing melody and amazing just like really engaging lyrics. And you, she so well brings you into her world so you can feel what she's feeling. I think she does that um, really well. 
Um, here's the thing that I want us just to, to notice um, about um, some of the things that she says um, as well. Um, so this is a song, Driver's License, and um, it says this. Um, and you're probably that blonde girl who always made me doubt. She's so much older than me. She's everything I'm insecure about. Yeah, today I drove through the suburbs because how could I ever love someone else? So um, I did research so I, um, today to make sure that I was um, I got all my facts right because I want to say facts, not assumptions. Um, so the facts are, so Olivia Rodrigo, she's um, an actress for High School, the Musical, the Musical, the Series. Right? We have some fans in the room. Cool. Um, she was also in a relationship. Um, and in that relationship, um, the, the guy that she was in a relationship with cheated on her um, with uh, one of the other actresses, and now they're in a relationship. Okay? This is true? For, am I fact-checking? Okay. Okay. So these are facts. These are facts. So now, she, um, as she's writing, um, she, she starts listing some of those facts um, which then are also, um, as we can see, some half-truths that get embedded in there as well. So what do I mean by that? Okay, you're probably with that blonde girl. Okay, facts. Um, who always made me doubt. <laughs> true. It's true that she seems to feel, be feeling doubt. Okay, she's so much older than me. Okay, if that's probably true. Um, she's everything that I'm secure about. True. Okay. Yeah, today I drove to the suburbs. True. Here's the part that's interesting to me. Here's the line. Because um, how could I ever love someone else? Right? This is a good question, but um, I think where she's getting at is this narrative. She's on unaware, she's on unaware Island. Because um, in Unaware Island, there's still half-truths. But on Unaware Island, there's a lot of false narratives as well. So the false narrative is, um, I will never be able to love someone. I will never have a relationship the way that I had um, with this other person. And because of that, she's devastated, right? And she's broken, right? And she, again, does a really good job. I am not saying don't listen to her. I think she has great music if you want to do that. Um, I'm merely saying be aware of reality, right? Be aware of the false narratives that we tell ourselves, and be aware of the false narratives that get told to us. And be aware when our friends start telling us uh, false narratives. And the first one is um, to uh, acting on assumptions instead of evidence, right? And you'll see, I had a conversation with some of the staff earlier today throughout her songs. Um, there's a lot of, there's some evidence, and she does articulates it really well. And there's some assumptions built in, right? So uh, merely saying, hey, let's, let's try to be aware of some of those false um, false narratives, especially when we act on assumptions instead of evidence. Number two, here's another, uh, another fun thing about Unaware Island, is rationalizing bad decisions. On, in Unaware Island, um, we will rationalize bad decisions, right? And what do I mean by that? I mentioned it earlier. Um, read a really helpful book called um, Making uh, better decisions, fewer regrets, and here's some of the things that get presented in this book, is whenever we rationalize bad decisions, it leads to dumb purchases, doomed relationships, and destructive habits, right? We talked about it a little bit, but like we will tell ourselves any story after we want to buy something, right? Yeah, I'm going to spend a lot of money on this car, but it saves money on gas, Right? Does it even out as actually a, a wise purchase? Right? And doomed relationships. Right? We'll we'll sell ourselves um, on any relationship that we want to make work, and then we'll start justifying to ourselves and to others. 
right? And the reason you know this to be true is because other people just sniff it out. Other people can see um, that we're living on Underwear Island. And they're like, I don't want to live on Underwear Island. I want to live in reality. But you seem to be on Underwear Island right now. But when we're on Underwear Island, when it comes to relationships that are doomed, we're like, la, 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 it's amazing. Just give them a chance. It's incredible. She's, she's going to be so great, right? And people can see it. As well as destructive habits, right? With whatever the destructive habit may be, whatever our means of acting out may be, we will sell ourselves. It's not that bad. It's fine. I have a handle on this. Um, Rationalizing bad decisions runs rampant in Underwear Island. Um, Number three, uh, disowning parts of our personal story. Disowning parts of our personal story, right? Um, In Underwear Island, where false narratives run, run rampant, um, um, we want to feel loved. And we want to love ourselves and we want others to love us. And we think that um, in order to feel loved by someone else, um, we need to hide parts of ourselves. We need to hide parts of our past. We need to hide parts of our present. Right? Because um, we think that that's the only way that we're going to receive love. So we're, we don't talk about with our closest, closest friends. We don't bring up any trauma that we've gone through. Um, we don't bring up some of the harder things in life. Um, we try to pretend like we grew up in one neighborhood when the reality is we grew up in another neighborhood, right? So disowning parts of our personal story are parts of um, false narratives running rampant in Unaware Island. And number four, um, in Underwear Island, um, isn't this an amazing place? Uh, we minimize mistakes and we'll play victim. We can't fathom the thought of ourselves doing anything bad. So we just don't talk about anything bad that we did. And whenever we talk about something bad, we'll actually try to paint it as a positive for why it wasn't actually that bad or it wasn't actually my fault or um, it wasn't, you know, it, I, didn't have a, I didn't have any other choice, right? And we'll just minimize mistakes. And um, in the, the percentage of conflict, um, we will own 0% of the conflict. For a lot of us, we don't own just 1% of the conflict. We will own 0% of the conflict. And whenever we own 0% of the conflict, that means that... Um, the conflict is not ours, and it's somebody else's, and we'll just play victim. So in Underwear Island, we minimize mistakes and play victim. And here's what, going back to the big idea, is that the truth, as we're in Underwear Island, here's what happens. The truth, right? Where there's false narratives, and here's what these false narratives do. It's actually not Underwear Island. That's paradise, right? It's actually a prison. In this prison on Underwear Island is going to keep us and shackle us and bind us in the only way out of Underwear Island that we thought was a paradise where it's cozy and comfortable, but is actually a prison that's honing us down, is truth. Truth is the only way out of Underwear Island, right? So whenever we say truth, here's what we mean, is that freedom is a result and of awareness of reality. Freedom is a result of an awareness of reality, right? When we're in Unaware Island, um, we need to, to know truth and awareness of the reality that we're actually living in and not um, lean into false narratives, right? So another way to say it, if you like rhyming, here's a 12-word poem. Some of you may like, some of you may like rhyming, some of you may not. Um, if you feel like you're in a snare, you will be set free by becoming aware. 
little Dr. Seuss for you. You're welcome. If you feel like you're in a snare, you will be set free by becoming aware. So for me, I was unaware for a really long time. Actually, for most of my life, I was just unaware, and I was just believing all of these false narratives. Um, so, uh, again, I wanted to be the best at things, and I thought that I only had value uh, when I was productive and could achieve things. Um, and I wanted to achieve things for myself, but I also wanted to achieve things for other people. So I thought that I could get people to like me if I could achieve something for them, do something for them, be productive for them. So I would spend all of my energy going out of my way, um, just trying to be productive um, and achieving um, for people. And I really, I wanted to be the best. But I know that reality is I couldn't actually be the best, so this is so weird. Um, I wanted to be the best at being a jack of all trades. I wanted to be the best at being above average on everything. <laughs> right? So whenever, um, so when I did that, um, there was, in high school, there was my nemesis. His name was Ethan Windsor. Right? Ethan Windsor, I thought when I was in high school, um, I thought I was amazing and incredible and maybe not the best at everything, but the best at a few things, but overall I was the most well-rounded. And as I looked around, I was like, yeah, I think I'm the best at being well-rounded. And um, I see Ethan, who's actually like a really cool guy, really nice guy. We're actually really good friends, but I saw him as my nemesis, as my rival, because he rivaled me in being um, the best at a few things and then above average at a lot of things. So it was my duty in high school to prove to myself, the story I'm telling myself, that I only had value when I was the best well-rounded in high school. So I started creating this really arbitrary metric that, to compare myself to Ethan. Right? So um, in school, I was like, okay, well, how are we doing in academics? Because I was pretty smart, right? And I did well in school. And Ethan was valedictorian. Okay, he wins. Um, okay, well, what about, um, okay, well, he's, again, um, high, sc high school, he did sports, he played football. Um, Y'all already heard my basketball story. Uh, <laughs> but I was musical and I had choir, not quite the same, but in my mind it was equal in my mind, right? So we're like, okay, I'm, you know, he made honorable mention in football. Um, I made all district choir and all region choir. Okay, I think I, think I, I, think I win. Okay, cool. Let's just say I win. Okay, great. Um, you know, then it came to the Bible because I was the Christian kid. I was the, the church kid. Um, I was like, okay, how does um, Ethan's knowledge of the Bible? Okay, no, he actually knows a lot too. Okay, oof. So here was the, here was the final, uh, the metric, the scorecard. Video games. Remember, I'm 17. I'm in high school. Video games. So I created this Madden football tournament, and I practiced and practiced and practiced to try to be the best just so that I could beat Ethan. So internally, I had this narrative that I could tell myself that I was the best student in the school. So this tournament happens. I actually win. <laughs> like, destroy everybody. Uh, <laughs> And as you can see, I'm beaming now, and I was beaming even more as a 17-year-old. Um, thinking that that's what brought me validation, that's what brought me life. That was Isaac. Again, you only have value um, whenever you're the best at things. And whenever I would win things, it only confirmed this narrative that I was already believing. Right? I was unaware. It's taken me now, being here in Orlando, to realize uh, one of my personal favorite axioms is... Um, um, my worth is not in my work. My value does not go into the work that I do. My work and my worth are very separate things, right? And it's taken me years. And that idea of my worth is in my work still comes up. It's still um, this false narrative um, that I still have to actively guard against, thinking that my worth is in what I do. 
So here's the question. How do we become aware? If we don't want to live on an unaware island, um, how do we become aware, right? So we'll, keep, we'll go back to verse 31 where it says, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. So I want to provide some definitions for us so we know what's going on here. First, I want us to look at the word abide. Um, the word abide, I think the best way to think about it, means to consistently remain. When you're abiding with someone, you are just consistently there with them, right? So whenever um, Jesus is saying, if you abide in my word, it's meanings you are consistently remaining I'm in the Word. So what's the Word? Well, we talked about this the first week of John, where the Word is clarity on who God is and how to navigate life. Right? Clarity on who God is and how to navigate life. And really the best picture for the Word um, is Jesus. Jesus, is, Jesus calls himself the Word um, because we can look to Jesus as clarity on who God is and how to navigate life. Um, and then thirdly, um, he's talking about the word disciples. So the disciples means a teachable learner. The word disciples means learner, right? And somebody that's learning is somebody that's teachable. So a disciple is a teachable learner. So I gave all those definitions because I want to craft um, verses 31 and 32 in a way that I think will be really helpful um, for all of us. So let me just reframe. Um, this is like the, the Isaac Thomas Trevino uh, version language of verses 31 and 32, um, where he says this, true freedom, true freedom, Oopsie. See, I'm telling you, sometimes I get caught up in these false narratives. No. Uh, true freedom um, is a result of an awareness of reality. Right? That was our big idea. True freedom is a result of an awareness of reality that only teachable learners can see. Right? That only te- people that are teachable can see this awareness. If you're not teachable, you can't see this. Right? Um, by consistently gaining clarity on who God is and how to navigate life. True freedom is the result of an awareness of reality that only teachable learners can see by consistently gaining clarity on who God is and how to navigate life. Now, so that's true freedom. So here's what keeps us in bondage, right? Whenever um, we're not aware, whenever we stay living on Unaware Island, Right, And we stay on Unaware Island and we don't have true freedom. Um, whenever we're not teachable, we're unteachable. We're resistant to feedback. We don't want to be told how to correct our ways. Right? We're unteachable. We're not learning. We think we've arrived. Right? Um, also, we don't consistently gain clarity. We, it's inconsistent. Our lives are just very inconsistent. There's no rhythm. There's no stability. Our lives are just inconsistent. And we're not trying to gain clarity on who God is and how to navigate life. Um, instead, we live our lives with ambiguity. And we just think that ambiguity is all there is. And we just think, man, I just don't know what's going on, and I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing and not try to gain clarity to learn more, and I'm just going to stay here on the unaware island. And that doesn't result in freedom. It results in bondage. So how do we become aware? Here's how. We consistently seek the clarity of Jesus. We consistently seek the clarity of Jesus. So here's how we do that. Number one, admit that we are prone to unawareness and false narratives. Admit that we are prone to unawareness and false narratives, right? All of us, all of us, every single one of us, um, we are prone, we are um, um, tempted, we even we lean in, into that. Um, we're, we're prone to being unaware 
into having false narratives. It doesn't matter how much we've learned, how much we've arrived, we're all prone um, to unawareness and false narratives, right? So now I say that um, because if you can't accept that, you will always live your life in bondage on Unaware Island, right? Um, and maybe another way to say it is, hey, look, um, uh, sometimes you're wrong, okay? Sometimes I'm wrong, okay? Um, now, sometimes you think you know you're wrong, but you're like, this is not a time when I'm wrong. I'm right right now. And it's possible that when you think you're right, you're wrong. So what does that do? That we need a... Um, um, we need to be teachable. We need to know that we, 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 we're, it's possible that we can, no matter how far that we've arrived, it's possible that we can still believe and give into false narratives. So the first step is just to admit that we are prone to unawareness and false narratives. Number two, we need to ask, um, am I being honest with myself, really? Am I being honest with myself, really? Am I truly... Um, Am I trying to fool somebody? Like, as we look at ourselves in the mirror, we are the easiest people to deceive. Everyone can see reality. We can't see it sometimes. So, um, so we need to ask ourselves, am I really being honest with myself right now, right? Like, why am I doing this, really? Um, why am I avoiding him, really? Uh, why am I postponing this, Really? Uh, why do I keep making excuses? Where, why am I going to this place? Why did I say yes? Why am I wearing what I'm wearing? Really? Right? Um, why did I choose to purchase this? Why did I move in? Why did I move out? Really? And if we can be honest with ourselves, um, that's going to help us consistently seek the clarity of Jesus. If we can't be, we're, nobody else is around having this conversation. This is just us. This is just you, you and yourself in the mirrors. Nobody else is around, right? And if we're lying to ourselves, there is no way um, that we can um, move forward uh, toward truth, right? And my suspicion is that if we're lying to ourselves, we're also going to be lying to others. That's another conversation for another day, right? We have to tell ourselves the truth. Am I being honest with myself, really? And number three, um, increase and integrate God-awareness and self-awareness. Increase and integrate God-awareness and self-awareness. Right? So what do I mean by that? I mean that as we're trying to consistently seek the clarity of Jesus, um, we need to consistently increase um, as well as integrate, bring together God-awareness and self-awareness. So what do I mean by God-awareness? God-awareness is who God is. Right? And we learn about God through Scripture, and we learn about God um, through prayer, and we learn about God through being reminded of His truth. Right? And we just, God is so glorious and so beautiful. And I grew up um, with a lot of God awareness. I grew up um, knowing a lot. I grew up in church. I know not, not all of us did, but for me, I grew up just having a lot of God awareness. So what I, what I thought um, was God awareness. Right? What I lacked was self-awareness. Right? Where I thought, um, again, talking about the false narratives that I believed, I didn't really know myself. Right? And with all of us, there's good parts of us and there's bad parts of us. Right? There's, all of us have these amazing qualities given to us by the Creator God, and all of us have this really dark, deep brokenness. And here's what we do is we take um, the good parts about us 
and we take the bad parts about us and we invite them both and we see them both and we name them both and we share them both with others. And God sees the good in us and the bad in us and he loves us. And we, with each other, we see the good in each other and we see the bad in each other and we love each other, right? Now, if you didn't grow up in church, perhaps um, perhaps you've gone to, to counseling, to therapy, have read a lot of self-help books, and you have gotten good at self-awareness, and perhaps um, it's the, the God awareness component that may be lacking for you, right? You feel like you have a pretty good grasp on who you are, um, but now the opportunity is, man, but I kind of know who I am, or kind of taking steps towards that, but now I'm really wondering, who is God? Who's the person that created me? Who's the person that designed me, Right? And now, knowing who God is, knowing who we are, how does that integrate? How do I live my life? Man, and I think that as we do these three things, as we consistently seek the clarity of Jesus, this is what's going to set us free. All right? So wrapping up, um, um, so it continues in the text in verse 34 where Jesus says, Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The, excuse me, the son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Another way to call unaware island of false narratives and us acting on them, it's called sin. In the sin this living on unaware island, believing these false narratives, acting on these false narratives, man, these are the chains that bind us. And there is only way, there's only one way out of these chains that bind us here on unaware island, and his name is Jesus Christ, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And I want all of us to consistently see clarity on who God is, who Jesus is and know that Jesus is the one that ultimately is going to rescue us from our sin, who's ultimately going to rescue us from us being unaware, who's ultimately going to rescue us from the false narratives that we believe as, we, um, as he gives us a new identity in him. I want that for you. And man, here's what I see. If we can do that, right? If we can find true freedom by consistently seeking the clarity of Jesus, imagine 20 years from now, your life will be radically different. The chains and the bondage that you grew up in, the chains and the bondage that your family um, experienced, you don't have to experience that. Your kids don't have to experience that. Your friends don't have to experience that. You can be free today. You can move forward towards healing today. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. I want that for you more than anything in the world, is to feel freedom. So you're not bound by your brokenness. You're not bound by your addiction. You're not bound by the things that bind you. You're not bound by feeling worthless, feeling, um, uh, feeling vulnerable, feeling insecure. You're not bound by these things because we're bringing awareness and truth into this, knowing that Jesus is the way out. I love you guys. I want this for you. So to respond, um, we're going to sing. Um, and as we sing, my, my prayer for you is that you can just sing of your freedom that you have in Jesus. And for some of us, we're not free in Jesus. 
And my prayer is that um, you know that you can be free by Jesus. So if you're, after we sing and after we wrap up, um, we have a connection lounge in the back to where if that's you, we would love to talk with you about what freedom in Jesus looks like. Let's pray. God, I love you. Man, I'm just so thankful for you, God, that you sent your son Jesus to set us free. So we don't have to live being unaware. We don't have to live believing false narratives. We can believe your truth. We can believe the reality that you have a sin. We have a new identity in you. God, I'm just thankful for my friends and family here at the table who just keep moving forward and pursuing truth and getting clarity on who you are and how to live life. So we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.